Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Author News Weekly. Why are you laughing? Because my intro is always different. Hey. With R.A. Like, I don't know again. what the hell I'm getting myself into with this show. With R.A. again. He's got the voice that it's like hard to beat. But everyone so don't try to it. do it. You just don't you don't come in trying to swing for the fences like being R.A. You, you do right. the best role in Denzel you got, man. No hey, one. Hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome to Author uh, News Weekly. I gotta go. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> oh, he, Nick doesn't like that I'm using his Nick voice. So, anyhow. <laughs> thank, thank you for joining us this week for another week week where we overthink the news. Oh, I didn't think it was that funny. but It's not that funny. People laugh at this joke, and, and that was this high of the month now. It was it was good. I'm good. Really. That was excellent. We, the four of us, me, Roland Denzel, got Ari McGee, Hello. Laura Katzen or Pippa, depending on how we're going to go with you today. We, I like Pippa is a fun name to say. And then Nick Thacker. Four of us are going to overanalyze, overthink, be overwrought about the news. So you can use your brain power to get back to writing. How y'all doing today? Good. Bueno. I didn't know I had to be overwrought. Does this you mean that be. would be four of us, the, I don't you, care article each I of have a, to each, care? That's good. Each of us can choose in our own. Okay. Um, I will be a, appropriately appropriately rot today. How about that? Mm. Okay. But if you It'll combine be... all of our rottenness, mm. it has to be overwrought. Mm. It has to be. It's true. This podcast will be rotten today. Rottenness. Concur. Yes. Yes. So we got some great news for you. Great in air quotes, but I think it's it's pretty some pretty good fun stuff today. The first one is. I'm not just calling it everyone versus Spotify. And I know it's not really like that, but Spotify has been in, big in the author news recently because they started uh, recently started selling audiobooks and they are not, they're not doing great at it. Let's say it that way. And they're blaming Apple. You checked out that article yet? And let me think about that. It's, it's a Spotify. If you didn't want now, to pay the I have my own opinion. Yeah, go ahead. If you didn't want to pay the 30%, then start making phones. Like, <laughs> Apple's got the infrastructure. It's not like it's, it's – that's the environment they were working with. Like, yeah. they knew that was what they were going into. They knew those were the rules. Make your own infrastructure if you don't want to be using Apple's. They did. It's called Spotify. <laughs> right? This isn't – I'm not mad. Spotify isn't the one – to really be point to, I don't know. I don't think this is um, is easy to just point a finger and say Spotify is to blame. Like they have. Oh no! I just think that it's disingenuous to be already. Like the whole oh they're taking thirty. That's already been a thing. Amazon's been navigating around it for years, and so it just feels like a PR move instead of an actual. I agree. I feel like they knew they were going getting into this and they, yeah. were gonna, they, they were planning to make a big stink because just all these other, right, just like Amazon, like you can't buy an ebook within yeah. the Amazon app. You, the, have yeah. to, you have to go into your browser. And, but I think the funniest thing was that 
apparently Spotify got their app pulled out of the Apple store because they had the app said, gave them like an easy, you know, not a link or something like that. It gave them some sort of an easy way to, oh, here, just go here, click here, and then you can, it'll open up your browser and then you can just buy it. And apparently that's against the rules. Yeah, yeah you just have to have special verbiage like, please go to your browser and do it. To be clear, I'm not actually siding with Apple here in a pit fight between two large corporations. I don't side with anyone. I just enjoy the show. <laughs> like, they've all got your, maybe players. One of your other They're pen, all like, maybe one of your other pen names is willing to make us take a stand. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't mind. Mo- like, like monopolies are going to monopoly. They don't mm-hmm. want to see ground that they've worked hard to get Apple in that space. And Spotify is going to try to make it happen. I don't necessarily like Spotify in general. It's not something that I use frequently, but I appreciate the fact that they're constantly trying to innovate and take chunks out of markets. I think that if more companies did that, I think it would be good for everyone. Just imagine if Blockbuster would have recognized like Redbox or Netflix for the threat that it was in the beginning and started innovating. Netflix wouldn't be a thing. Redbox would never Netflix been a thing. When they tried to sell themselves to Blockbuster. For very cheap, exactly, <laughs> yeah. when yeah. they did. And they laughed them out of the meeting. I'm always appreciative when people are trying to do things. I, whatever, Pippa said, I'm going to treat this like King Kong and Godzilla and just try not to get crushed by the falling <laughs> debris. Yeah, I agree. I wish that Apple wasn't so stringent. And also, but Google has the same rules too. So I wonder if Spotify is doing the same complaining about Google, because if you have it on Android, which I have an Android phone, I also cannot buy anything like a, electronic things like eBooks or audiobooks in the apps. I have to go to the browser, but I don't see that in the news. Maybe. Maybe they're trying they, to strike a deal with Google. Maybe that's it's interesting. Because there's a lot of ways they could go from here. They could make Spotify exclusive to Android. Yeah. And then there'd be now you've got yourselves a battle, right? Yeah, I'm just really surprised that I'm assuming Spotify has some sort of a plan where that you will have already purchased your credits or something like that, and then you'll be able to buy it on a credit system because you are allowed to use credits. Like you, you can do that. Like I can buy a Kobo book in the app with my credits, but I can't buy a, a Kobo ebook. Oh, it's from, like the, the, the Japanese app. gambling parlors where you only buy a beer and the tokens and then you <laughs> but, but isn't it but isn't the problem though that apple will still take the 30 percent cut in that case not if you've previously purchased the like the credits or whatever or you're in a subscription okay but you couldn't do it in the app you no, couldn't do no. it in the spotify app no. on the apps, apps but apps you can store. right but if you have but if you're the spotify app said i have 10 credits for audiobooks and this book but takes that's... five credits you can say oh i can use those that's fair because the like it's just a credit that you've already purchased on the and they will change hands elsewhere. If you the the more steps you add, you will lose people. So well, yeah. that's not optimal for them. But it seems like the best way to do it would be to to say you download the app, the Spotify app, on an Apple phone, and then sign up via in-app purchases as it, for a subscription, mm-hmm. right? Just like Audible. So then it becomes hey, ten dollars a month for obviously do Spotify, which is what I have, which yeah. is the music part. But then you could also subscribe to the audiobook side for $10 a month and get maybe yeah. one or two credits yeah. or something. For some reason, Spotify decided not to go with the audiobook subscription. Maybe they'll add that later, but they decided to like to sell them. And yeah, I think it goes there. back to what you're saying, where I think it's a media war on they're doing this on purpose. There's Spotify's a smart company. Daniel Eck knows what he's doing. Like there, he knows all the ways to monetize this platform. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's yes. choosing not to do it so that he can wage war on Apple for whatever reason. I don't know. 
Yeah. So I think that this act by Spotify was the first blood against the big businesses, but Amazon decided that they're going to, that they don't like this little, uh, little fish swimming in their audiobook pond. And the other article I linked talks about how Amazon dumped, they went from 2 million songs in their Amazon music library to 98, they added 98 million songs overnight. No reason to go anywhere else for all your oral listening pleasures. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of, I don't know what a pundit is exactly, but I'm going to say a lot of pundits have been saying that this is like Amazon trying to squash Spotify's entry into the audiobook market. Because if they can keep people listening to music here then, and your audiobooks here on Amazon, like why would you ever need Spotify? Which And it's all in Prime, so it's it's, it's quote-unquote free. Yeah, I've had weird luck with Prime and music where I'll be like, I want to listen to this song. You can listen to songs. Pandora. Pandora does that. (laughs) We've never heard of the Temptations. Drifters. I know. We've never heard of the Temptations, but we do know a song just like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think it's I think it's the same. I hesitate to say anything good about the huge mogul Amazon, but Amazon's all right, whatever. It's the same props that I gave to Spotify for trying to innovate that I would give to Amazon for trying to crush Spotify. When you're running your business, these people are gonna be ruthless and there's a reason why they got so big and that just makes sense for Amazon to do to try to get the upstart out of there. You know what I mean? Because if not, who knows what size chunk Spotify could take out of their ass. I don't know. It's just interesting to watch all this. Like, I feel like there are people in boardrooms, like cussing out people at the other company. Can you believe? Can you believe they put 98 million songs? I don't know, man. Weird stuff. (laughs) I think that the lesson here, though, is infrastructure. If you run the infrastructure and you have that's what I think really set Amazon ahead in the ebook market. You can't just discover stuff on other platforms. Right. There's almost no just organic discovery, whereas Amazon put just massive amounts of effort into making their search algorithms good, into making they're also bots. They're all of that stuff. Apple built a phone platform and got in there. Google saw that, got in there with Android phones, run the infrastructure. You're not wrong, because I know that I have audiobooks on iTunes. And, like, I can never find them. Like, I put my own name in, and it's like nothing's coming up. And I'm like, I got a royalty statement. I know they're there. Who knows? It's a disaster trying to find your find things that you like on some of the other platforms. Yeah, that's a challenge. Yeah. I think we've beat that horse to death, and I think these two giants, let's wait for Google to pile on, and then the three giants will beat Spotify to death, but hopefully not, because I kind of Spotify, and I'm hoping for, I was actually hoping, I was like, oh, they're so big, Spotify's so big, and these people, they seem so smart, I hope that they are the one that will come in and really challenge Audible, and I still hope that they can do it, so I think they just need to, but I do agree that this is a political sort of a like a ploy to put themselves out there is like oh they're picking on us they're unfair we're the little guy (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right so next up so last time we talked about how people were talking about all these amazon bugs being the effect of their low sales and 
for every bug or new feature that Amazon puts out, there's a string of authors saying that this is why my sales are down. This is why my sales are down. But then I listened to the Six Figure Authors podcast the other day, and they're talking about that many of them haven't experienced any of these bugs and all of their sales are down. So they've been like, they have a pretty good track record for doing the right things and keeping consistent sales over time. And even they are down. And if you look at blur your eyes and like take in all the data, it seems like people are just looking for bugs to be the cause of the problem when the reality is sales seem to be down everywhere. Yeah. Mm. Do you, are, are you finding the same thing? I don't actually know. The hot sheet came out yesterday, Jane Friedman's yeah. paid newsletter thing. And she had some data in there. I'll pull it up while you guys chat, but she did mention some of the, the stats pointing to numbers being down, but the, I don't remember it being really down. I remember this. Basically, we are still higher than pre-pandemic levels as far as... Now, this is the publishing industry at large, right? So that this is mainly going to be Nielsen reported earnings for published books through the big five channels, right? So real books. Big four, but yeah, real books, not the crap that the dribble that we put out, of course. But it... It tends to be a decent barometer for consumer purchasing metrics, right? Like it, it tells what people are buying. If they're still buying a book for thirty five ninety nine because it's hardcover face out at Barnes and Noble, they're probably also same still buying Amazon books, books from Amazon, right? That's not data. That's just saying in general. That's kind of how I feel about it. So the numbers were down from where they were last year, but they were down like five percent or ten percent. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it is. According to Nielsen Bookscan, holiday season this year is taking a less prosperous path than in 2021, at least in the U.S. market. Overall, print book sales were down in October for the second month in a row, which is a pattern not seen since 2019. That said, overall performance remains 5% lower year-to-date versus 2021, so it's still pretty close. And this is all, this 5% lower is actually still 14% higher than it was in the pre-pandemic market. You've got a, a big wiggly graph going like this, but it's not going like way down or way up. It's just like, yes. So I wonder so. if so if books overall are doing okay, like not it's not the dramatic slide that people are talking about. It. So if books overall are doing quote unquote okay, I wonder if it's just certain types of book, like people are cons- buying more mainstream books more and yeah, hard I, to tell, hard to say. I, I think it's. I think I I kind of said last week that when people want to point to things like the bugs and then that's what holding them down, it's usually not that right. It's usually you, right? Mm -hmm. Everything almost always comes back to you. Can you write a better book? Can you learn how to me again? No, I'm looking right in the middle there. So I don't get accused. (laughs) Like I I learned my lesson. That's exactly what I'm looking at. That's almost always what it is. And I think it's difficult to sell books in the best of times, right? And people, when they're not selling books and there's no recession, then they blame like my ads are bad or my cover's bad. They blame all these things. And I think that this is just added to reasons. Now, do I think that inflation and a recession has something to do with people not having more free money to spend? Of course, of course. But if you're blaming all of these things instead of seeing what can I control, then I think you're looking about things the wrong way. You're looking at your input into this 
poorly. You're thinking about things poorly because the best you can do is work as hard as you can and figure out a way around this. So my wife's a realtor, right? And there's like boom times and there's lean times for realtors, right? The market's doing great. Everybody and their mother's a realtor. They sell houses. It's not a problem. Things are flying off the shelf. Everybody's getting over ask, right? But then the problem is when they have lean times, that's when the skill comes out in selling and getting the right price for things and presenting a good product. And I think that it's like that sometimes in your own business with your writing. Are you doing the things that you need to do to still have a good product? Because people are still buying books, right? There's still a lot of people that are making a lot of money. And you got to ask yourself, are you really going to blame the housing crisis or labor I really, shortages. I really think that's a really good point. Like if you if books are flying off the shelves, the bookshelves, and people are just looking for books to buy, like your skill doesn't make you put something out there and people are hungry for books, they keep going. But if they're watching their wallets a little bit more, then you it's the people with that that are that have the better covers, the better book descriptions, and then also putting that book in front of people more often that the right people putting the right book in front of the right people more often that are probably getting the sales. And it's not, it may not be your book. It may not be your cover. It could not be a lot of things, but when people are pickier or choosier, sadier, then yeah, then 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 it's really like your skill really is going to, that's really when your skill. Because I got news for you. uh, I got news for you. Mark Dawson is not going out of business anytime soon. And yes, we don't all have the budget that he does, right? He's not going out. Still. This guy up here, Nick's not going to stop selling books anytime soon. Am I pointing the wrong way? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Nick's, Nick's not going to stop selling books anytime soon. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of Nick and his marketing prowess, right? but he's not doing anything that you can't eventually learn or try to emulate yourself to be better in your <clears throat> career i would argue not only are you correct you don't even realize how correct you are <laughs> you, just don't you, and spe- you, you just specifically i can't allow someone to know something without making them feel stupid for knowing that thing you know me <laughs> so what i'm saying is we started conundrum publishing around this time last year and we released a bunch of books and the marketing that i did for my own books over the last decade or so is exactly the marketing that we did for these books and none of them have really taken off. That doesn't mean they haven't sold anything, but none of them are crazy runaway bestsellers. It's just the way it is. Otherwise, good books, well-written, edited, everything's fine. Every, the book package is there. Everything that, according to my expertise, it says that this has checked all the boxes. This should be selling great. For that reason, I think there's a little bit of merit to some of this, like not bugs in the system, making books not sell well, but what worked then isn't always what's going to work forever. And we're seeing that change, but it's changed in the past as well. There was a time where there was no Amazon ads. There was no Facebook ads. There, there was a time where BookBub didn't exist. So there's new marketing things that happen. And we may just be at the cusp of two or three or more of those things at once. And it feels like it's making our sales slip down. But the well, point I want to make is, sorry, real, real quick, Pippa, the point I want to make to RA's point is I looked at all this and saw in my own sales hey, sales are going down. I can try to spend even more money on Amazon ads or Facebook ads, or I can go the opposite direction. I pulled almost all of my Amazon ads. I think I'm spending maybe $15 a day on Amazon ads. This is down from about 10 times that. I pulled about the same amount from Facebook ads. And then I just wrote a book a week. And I've been publishing a book every other week for 
I don't know, about three months now, and my sales have gone way up. So I decided instead to focus on the things that I actually have full control over. I have some control over leading indicators, which are things like ads. I have no control over the trailing indicators of those things, what happens. But I have full control over both leading and trailing indicators for writing another book. Said in another way, if you just write more books, you will know very quickly if people are reading the damn book. If that's all you're doing, if no one's buying it, your books suck. And it's your fault. <laughs> and there's the title of the episode. <laughs> your books suck, and it is your fault. Man, it was so going I, on such a positive streak for me. Yeah, no, I couldn't end it. I couldn't well, end you it. You had to know. Yeah. I could try to make it all positive and all that. If you could have wrapped it up in a British accent, that would have just been oh, even better. I can't do that. You already mentioned Dawson. I was getting a little uh, shaky uh, over here. Nancy, he had um, to. I couldn't. I could probably end it on a positive note, but it'd take 10 extra minutes and anyone listening, you know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. figure out if it's your books that are, that can be improved. We always want to focus on the things like Ari was saying, well, I want to point to that as being the problem. We'll point to this as being the problem. Maybe, but why don't you identify 100% that it's not the books that are the problem before you go doing all this. Well, other stuff. I don't think you'll ever actually be able to do that. I think this is very much a, you go into any business, you understand hopefully, it seems like a lot of people don't, that you're going to be at the mercy of a whole bunch of luck. You might be one of the people that winds up with the Amazon bug. You might be one of the people who had this beautiful cover and then it doesn't upload properly on Barnes and Noble and you have no cover and no one buys your book. The thing is, like Nick said, you have to keep climbing up the tree with the lightning rod into the storm. And eventually, if you're doing everything right and you're stacking the deck, things are going to even out. And there are going to be times when people have more spare money and times when people have less spare money. That's just going to happen. You just have to keep doing the right things and it'll either all come out in the wash or it won't. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> when I was younger, all right, I played poker for a living for a while. Okay. I what? won't say I was, I won't say I was a professional because I didn't do a lot of professional things. Did I see you on TV? I don't know. It's possible. I changed the name of the episode title to we're just going to talk about RA's like secrets and past. Now. <laughs> I do have a lot of weird <laughs> stuff. I'll tell all. It's all going to be revealed today. Right. But in any event, just a quick anecdote, right? When you're playing poker properly, there's a lot of theory. You know what I mean? There's like game theory. There's a lot of things involved. And the problem is, even if you have someone completely dominated, you could see the river and they could have a 4% chance to beat you. And that means they're still going to smack you in the face once every 25 times, right? Just bam, there goes all your money. Life sucks, right? So you get into this habit of making the best decisions you can and not being wholly invested in the outcome. And that's what I try to do with my books, right? I make the best decision I can. I write the best book I can. I give it the best cover. I give it the best blurb. I give it the best launch. And some take and some don't. And if you're constantly worried about the outcome, you're going to chase a lot of things that are going to affect you, not realizing that you're not doing yourself any favors, right? If you fold pre-flop with a really crappy hand and you would have hit quads, hit four of a kind, that's great, but that still is not the right way to play the hand. It's not the process. So you're looking you, at variance as being the thing that, you know, oh, this would have happened if this is playing out. Right. Because you know that 37 times you're going to get that wrong. And then once right. you're going to get that. So that's something that you shouldn't do. You should be a little more Zen, like control the process, make the best decisions you can 
And I'm not saying just throw it to the wind and it doesn't matter. Obviously, you need to try. But if the outcome isn't what you're going for and you did all the right decisions, it is what it is sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Am I the only one that can't wait to see RA's inspirational book for authors? Because like you're <laughs> you have a great way of phrasing these things that's like tough love, mm. but also very inspirational at the same time. I think he and Nick or at least have a calendar. No, there should be they should come in a set of two. Nick's oh, book like and RA's book. book. Like it's like good cop, bad cop, like for authors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I will be like, you're doing everything you can, Nick, but you still suck. <laughs> you can call it good writer, bad writer. We know which one's <laughs> And it's like a double entendre. I'll write the introduction to both books and it'll say, read RA's book first, because I would absolutely hate to leave you on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> and if we can't have you just... thinking that there's hope here, author. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Abandon hope. Oh, you who yeah. enter. Yeah. So before we move on to the next one, I really encourage our listeners to listen to the Six Figure Author podcast this last this episode. They came out of podcast retirement or hibernation to do this what the special episode. And I think it's really worth going through. They do a very logical take on some of the external things that are maybe you may see that are bringing down not only book sales, but moods, reader moods, writer moods, and how you can sort of overcome them and some of the things that they're personally doing to bring their sales back up or to build up their catalog in the meantime until sales come up. Because I think what one of the things that Nick, everyone here had some really wise words, but one of the things that Nick is doing is writing more books. And when you put out a new book, even if you can't write fast like Nick, but if you put out a new book and people buy it and you don't see sales of your other books... There's probably some, even because Amazon puts a lot of effort into putting your new book in front of people. So that's your best chance to get new readers, new book sales. And, but if that doesn't translate to other books, then there's possibly something wrong with that book, right? Which could mean that there's possibly something wrong with your other books because you're not hitting the market and you're not getting, you're putting it in front of the wrong readers. You don't know. Your tropes could be wrong. It could be anything, but that's really your, that is to use a fancy word again, that's the bellwether, right? You put that out there and if it falls flat, that's something to make you rethink. Well, yeah. And just to piggyback real quick, one of the ways I look at this and I actually measure this is by opening up book report or KDP reports, whatever you use to track this stuff. Scribe count. Is, scri- scribe scribe count. count. I've heard of that before, I think. Sorry, has something in my throat. <laughs> whatever no, whatever you use, um, <laughs> figure out where your releases are. These are usually the spikes and to, to get rid of those and then look at your baseline over time. And then if you superimpose where those releases happened, you should see your baseline going up, meaning all your backlist, mm-hmm. all the other books that you've already released, mm-hmm. that should go up, right? At the very least, it should stay the same if you're releasing once every year or every six months, but you should be able to maintain a certain baseline And you should be able to have the triggers to improve that baseline, to make it go up. For me, that trigger right now is just releasing more books. I will stop releasing books as quickly when my baseline stops going up every time. So yeah, the spikes are great. But the last book I released, the spike wasn't as high as the one before. Whatever. I don't care. But the baseline still went up. The average that I'm selling without that release in the mix is higher day to day than it was before. And that's yeah, you can get pretty granular with it. You can measure it out and hey, there's a percentage of baseline, whatever. However you want to do that is fine. But I think we should all know what that baseline is and then therefore know if I inject this into it, a new book, a new ad, a new platform, a new social media channel, does the baseline go up? 
If that it does, is brilliant. Keep doing Thank you for giving things. us a preview of Chapter 4 of Good Writer, Bad Writer by R.A. McGee and Nick Hacker. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Chapter 11 is all about bankruptcy. Oh, oh it should just be MacThack. That should be our dual title. Our dual, Your celebrity uh, name? Yes, MacThack. Oh, I'm in. MacThack. Yeah, and you said it first, so it doesn't get to be Thack Mac now. Thack. Exactly. If I already have yeah. Thack Stack, it would just get confusing. Oh, yeah, Nick R. McThack. Yeah. <laughs> you can get that book in any drive-thru you want. Any drive-thru. Um, yeah, any Starbucks. Mac Mac I'd like McDonald's. a Mac please. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's we have the McRib right now, so you have to wait till that season is over before you can get the Mac <laughs> Mac <Mac-Mac. laughs> All right. So this next one, by its title, it sounds like a downer, but I think it is a po- I think overall it is a positive. It's by our I'm going to say friend of the show, even though he's never been on the show. Has he? (laughs) Dean Wesley Smith? Friend of the show, Dean Wesley Smith. Most of us have met him, and uh, he is exactly how you would think he would be. He's a, and he wrote this article called, I Don't Care. And I loved it because he's, again, he's a, he's a tough love kind of a person, but without the uh, voice of Ari McGee and he, yeah. So what do you think about this? I think he's overly optimistic that these things aren't going to affect other writers. I think, really? I don't think it's going to be an easy. Okay. Sorry. Like, let me back up to be clear. We're talking about the merger, not affecting other writers, right? The, the Simon issues. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, he talks about the big five just completely toppling over and i don't think it's that a specific outcome is foreseen i just think if the big five topple over we'll get another thing like amazon or there's consistent innovation big market changes make way for different players it there's obviously going to be that that's fair okay i was assuming you meant when you said that there won't that there whatever you said whatever the thing was (laughs) i was assuming you meant that there won't be a fallout but you're just saying in general, there will be changes. Right? Yeah, he says it's what happens to the big five will make absolutely no difference to the modern writer. And gotcha. like, okay. That's not really. That's fair. Okay. I, yeah, I think if the big five collapse, I don't think there will be that many negative things for self-published and indie authors. Because I think what we've ha- what's happened inadvertently for whatever reason is because – not whatever reason. Amazon is probably the biggest reason. <laughs> We're all in silos now. We're in the indie author silo and our readers now are in there with us, largely. There is certainly crossover. My, my wife will read my books, but she'll read your books, and she'll read mainstream women's fiction published by the big guys. doesn't matter to her. But there's a lot of readers that, like my readers, will pretty much live in Kindle Unlimited. And that sort of means now that they're reading indie books. Again, not exclusively, but I think there's enough. Probably there's, there's very few non-indie there. books in Kindle Unlimited. Right. That, that's yeah. a big part of it, sure. Anyway, I cut you off, Pip. I didn't mean to. I was just saying that I think the benefit will be, like you said, we will get another Amazon-like company similar to how we talked about Spotify and Apple. Yeah, they're two big corporations. But ultimately, we're talking about a company that is going to offer a way to sell our products to more people. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of haggling over the numbers and all that, but I think that's going to be good for us. Right now, the traditional publishers aren't looking at ways they can sell more Nick Thacker books. It's just not even on their purview. Uh, yeah. So if something happens that they collapse, then that void will be filled by something. And they will be, basically, they will have to understand that the the 
they have to do something different than what the big five tried to hold on to for so long. Yeah. I'd like to point out that Dean Wesley Smith uses words carefully. Like he chooses his words carefully. So when he said modern writers or modern authors, just by saying modern, he means people who are no longer smoking the crack from or the, or taking in that message and just accepting it from the big five and agents and and things like that. So I think he means indie authors. Like by modern, he's in, instead of saying smarter authors, <laughs> smart authors, he's saying modern authors, people who have woken up, awakened, woken up or wokeified. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I would simply just say it's like, it's going to create waves. We're all going to have to surf on those waves. I absolutely agree that my bread and butter doesn't come from the big five. So in that sense, it doesn't matter to me what happens to them. But on the other hand, whenever like a giant piece of an ecosystem falls, there are big changes. So I don't think he, when I read it, I don't think he thinks that it's going to topple over, like in the sense that they're just going to be gone. But I think that their influence will get less, be less and less. And there will be like what we've seen over the last few years is the people who are big sellers continue to be big sellers and make big advances. They're taking on fewer and fewer newer projects. And then the people in the middle get smaller and smaller advances and they get less support. So I don't know that I think that's going to that will continue. And where it doesn't matter or he doesn't care is that those things like they mean nothing. They mean nothing to me. But the people who believe in traditional publishing it's gonna, not going to change their minds. Like they're going to still think they're going to still hold this dream that oh, I'm going to be traditionally published. I'm going to go for the big one of these big five deals. But it's really hard to get through to authors that that believe this. Like we talking about silos. Like we're in the silo where we and the four of us and, and a lot of the authors that we deal with on a regular basis on social media and in real life have they understand. It doesn't really, it's probably not going to make sense to bank on the big five. We would need to look for either, either go indie or find a, like a smaller, like a small independent press that can like, like Nick's that can really work with us, knows what they're doing and knows how to market to the right readers. But out there, if you've ever been to a local author group, like you will find a mix. You'll find some people who understand about indie stuff. And many people who are like, oh, my dream is to get an agent. I'm going to go on Twitter and do this pitch fest thing because I really got to get, I got to want to go to an author conference. Like I've seen people who don't go to 20 books because there are no agents there to pitch to. And then other, but they go around, there's these other things like San Diego pitch fest where, and then there's Albuquerque pitch fest. And it's like the same group of agents that goes around and these authors are flocking to that. So that you're not going to be able to convince them because they see the path is this thing. But if you want to make a living, I'm sorry for the, I'm going on this long like diatribe here, but if you want to make a living or even like a decent part-time living for the amount of effort you put in on your books, you're really going to have to go to indie because the odds are so low. It's a, it's like we were joking about before. Somebody said it's easier to be a, a hand surgeon <laughs> than it is to get a book deal. I'm not going to say it's easier, but the odds, if you look at the odds, there's probably more hand surgeons than there are people getting new every year, new hand surgeons than there are people getting new big deals that are worth getting. Citation needed. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why it's an apples and apples, apples to apples to oranges comparison. <laughs> Damn, you know? dude, she just MLA'd you, man. She just <laughs> APA'd you, and at yeah. the bottom of these notes, she wants a citation. Yeah, it's an inline reference. <laughs> the, yeah, the that that whole comparison, the hand surgeon that we were talking about that ahead of time. But it's just it's like going to be a hand surgeon. That is a very that is a guaranteed career path if you do the things if you check the boxes on that list. Like literally go to school for a thousand years, work your ass off, go to resident residency, and you will get hired as a hand surgeon. Unless you kill people, <laughs> you're going to get hired as a hand surgeon. It's just not true in book world, in art, in any kind of artistic endeavor. If I, There's no boxes for me to check. I can go get a master's degree in publishing. My, my friend Kevin J. Anderson runs one at Western here in Colorado. There's no guarantee that any of those people will get jobs in the industry, much less get their books published. Unless they do it themselves, but that doesn't mean they're ever going to make any money from it. I'm not bashing the program, but like we need to stop perpetuating this myth of not we, like the four of us, because we're not doing it. We already know. But we as a society need to stop perpetuating this stereotype that if I just go to move to New York City and work my ass off for no money and as an editor in one of these shops, and then I'm eventually going to get my own book will be in there. I'm going to be a literary, but that's not, it's not going to happen. Like it's just there's no guarantee that's going to work. So why would you waste your time doing it? When I mean, well, you could just write the same shit and publish it yourself, and also make is no money. Also make the same amount of money. <laughs> why would you waste all that time and money and your daddy's money, like going to New York City? And I, I just don't I don't understand it. Your I, daddy's it's, it's, money thing is actually relevant because it, it is relevant. A lot of the it's all women run because yeah. Say there was an article a while back, and I'll try to find it so we can put it in the show notes. But it was someone <laughs> talking to a Pulitzer winner. And then being like, so what do you trace your success to? And them saying, I was very serious about my career. So I didn't have kids and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And the thing is, like, their father runs one of the big five. It was like, that wasn't, not having kids wasn't your thing. That wasn't in the article. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to sound sexist a second ago. I literally, well, I, no, no, the article, it's just like I read an article about... about the big, it was on Reddit, I think, in the publishing subreddit. There was a long post about somebody's experience in the industry, literally in New York City, where the U.S., book industry lives essentially the traditional industry and this person was explaining that there is a stereotype for a reason that publishing is women run with the exception of the big wig ceos who own the companies or run the companies from the top those are all middle-aged white guys right or old white guys but the the people actually running each of the shops is very often female and the reason for that is stereotypically the female is the one that would have the time because the husband is working Right. They were trying to explain all this stuff like in, in a in an old, traditional old school stereotypical environment, you've got a husband who goes and works and makes money and the, the wife stays home and has the time to go work for literally nothing mm. as an intern to get into the industry to get their foot in the door. <clears throat> Generally speaking, there's more females doing that than males. And it was this like horrifying reality that you have to almost be that in order to or have, you know, your daddy's money paying for you. To go work yeah, for Yeah, and that's, the, that's the thing. It had been wrote, at yeah. all a gender thing. It was like, if you've got the family money and the family connections to be going to New York and working for a pittance and right. or the connection in the publishing industry, that's the thing. It's not that you're in New York doing the right work. It's that you had those chances. Not everyone does. But they do. If they just publish their own drivel and make zero money from it, they'll know right away that they suck at it and it's their fault. You can make no money for less with less effort by doing it yourself. 
your net gain will still be positive, mm-hmm. most likely, because your mom will buy a copy and you won't have spent a bunch of. You won't have been paying rent in New York City. Exactly. <laughs> you can be poor in Missouri, and it's probably exactly. cheaper to be poor in Missouri. Hundred yeah. percent. I'm glad we're on the same page, Bob. <laughs> Cool. So what is the, let's, what is there like a positive takeaway? So from Dean Wesley Smith's. Don't ask me. Article. I think, okay. So in my opinion, I think people should really get the gist of what he's saying and digest that. Because when I first started looking into writing, I was under the delusion that I needed to get an agent and publish and all that stuff. Right. And I think this ties into the story last week about the merger getting blocked where I said, I never even queried an agent. I've never done anything with a traditional house. It wasn't interesting to me because I heard a podcast. It might've been Johnny and Sean and those guys way, way back when, And Sean, he gets all spun up and he's talking fast and he's like, people say the traditional is important and it's not. And I laugh and tell him I make more money. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, sure you do, buddy. Because I didn't know anything back then. I'm like, this guy's full of crap. And then I go on Amazon and I see his books and I see how they sell. And then I fall down the rabbit hole of learning that the trad road is a really rough one to go down. And that's the reason why I decided, hey, so he proselytized me into indie being a viable pathway Mm -hmm. forward and i accepted it and i bought into it and i've been very happy with how things have gone i'm not against traditional if someday i get some deal somewhere fine if someday some small press fine i think that people need to take this as their cold glass of water to the face there's a reason why this guy who's written hundreds of books and been traditionally published is celebrating the demise of the industry try to read between the lines and don't think about the sensational things that he says, because what he's saying is true. He says that so many writers in a traditional field come to him about not making any money anymore or not being able to sell a book to a publisher when there are thousands and thousands of writers making fantastic money, indie publishing their own work and having total control of it. And that's, that's the crux of it for me. That's you can be an indie, you can make good money, you can control it all. And uh, it's real. You don't have to wait. You don't need this gatekeeper telling you that your book's okay or tearing your book apart. You can put the book out there, see if people like it, and start your career. So that's that's what I take from this. Yeah, it's important. So Dean Wesley Smith, who's married to Christine Catherine Rush, I guess they all had to have three names in order to uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, they are they're great people. They're super knowledgeable about the industry. They've been around for forever in traditional publishing and have moved their entire career over to the indie world out of necessity. And it's important to recognize, like in the previous, the penultimate blog post, Ooh. the one before this one, for those of you schmucks who don't understand English, was a was about the same sort of thing. And he calls out Mike Shatskin, whose father initiated a lot of the traditional publishing ways of being, right? The things that we do and things that they do. And so Mike was in the industry for a long time at a big house and he still has, he's got, I've got a, a great book by him called The Book Business and highly recommend reading it. It just talks about how traditional publishing works, like brass tacks and what they're looking at when they bring on new authors. Anyway, Mike's a good guy. Dean's a good guy. But Dean calls out Mike Shatskin as a traditional publishing apologist in this other blog post, which reeks of like, when people, it's like, is it the straw man fallacy where people just start insulting the character or the person instead of the actual argument? It's ad hominem. Um, ad hominem. Ad hominem. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, it's not the straw man. It's if, ad, you yeah, ad hominem. <laughs> if you no. don't know English. 
<laughs> I think that's Latin, technically. But it's Latin, so. though, to be fair. Which, it's, it's a dead language. Which, it's okay. An ultimate is Greek, isn't it? Anyway, the whole point is it's important to recognize, take this all in context, anyone listening. Like, Dean's a great guy, but he has to be this anti-traditional publishing apologist now. Like, he's doubled down on not being a traditional published author after decades in the industry. And so it's not that he's wrong. I think he's right about most of everything that he writes, but it's important to recognize that like calling Mike Chaskin a traditional publishing apologist immediately makes Dean the opposite of that. And so you have to take it with a grain of salt when you're reading this stuff. These guys have built their careers on siding with one of these big things into your traditional. I'm like, all right, I don't think either one is wrong or right. It's just right for me at a certain time in my career. For most of my career, it's been right for me to be indie, but I am traditionally published as well. Uh, there is always a number. I'm a sellout, right? If someone comes with a traditional contract and says, we're going to give you 2 million bucks, I'm probably going to take it. I'm probably going to do it, right? Amazing. And so it's just what Dean's talking about is that right now in the traditional publishing industry, that doesn't happen. There are outliers that make it seem like it's possible, but that just doesn't happen. And so there's no point in going that route is going indie is just far better for everybody. That's largely his point. But it, I think it's important to just recognize that like, he's probably not going to admit he's made a career on not admitting that there's any room for us to go traditional. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. It's kind of a long winded way of saying it, but I like, these yeah, guys I'm a publishing. Lot. I like the yeah. I'm publishing agnostic. You got to get it where you can and get it where it makes sense. That's why I said I've only ever done any, but I'd be open to other things in the future. Like Nick said, you can't shut the door on things that could be good for you. But if it's not good for you, then you need to make a better decision. And I think for the majority of people, they need to start indie publishing now and you can sort Mm -hmm. other things out in the future. Maybe when you're a little more viable. Yeah, there's no, I think there's no barrier. If you're indie publishing now, there's no longer a stigma within traditional publishing that will keep them for if they want your want you they will take you whether you've traditionally published or not whether you're indie published or not like there used to be like oh it's like there was this myth that you couldn't do it but yeah yeah exactly the stink yeah cool <laughs> all right everyone thank you so much i think it was a great way to go let's let's wrap up and let's tell everybody real quick where they can find you online pippa <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Moira Katzen. And mm. yeah. Excellent. Work for her uh, check mark coming soon. <laughs> sure. got, my, got my $8 a month ready to go. <laughs> Maybe with a GoFundMe. I need a GoFundMe to get a check mark. <laughs> yeah, right on. Uh, all right. Yeah. So I'm Nick Thacker, and you can find me at indestructibleauthor.com. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I think we're done here. Book book coming out soon. Go to your local McDonald's and find the great, beautiful slab of beef called the Nick Mac 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 Mac. What do you call it? The Mac 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 Mac, please. Yeah. (laughs) Supersize me. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And thank you all for listening to Author News Weekly. And we will be back next week with even more news and even more fun discussions. 